This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins a national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! Hey, look uh, back in January of this year. Uh, Blake Corum, the running back from Michigan, had a uh, Chevrolet Camaro stolen from him. Uh, and uh, then this morning, I'm seeing a photo of Corum. I don't think it was a Camaro, but it was another sports car. Really souped up, beautiful car. Um, and it's connected. Well, I think the post is trying to connect it to an LLC that apparently Connor Stallions had um, organized out of Wyoming, believe it or not, although the only listing on this LLC is a house in Michigan where Stallions lived or at least owned the house. Corum uh, last night said he had no idea what this was about, that he'd never had any business dealings with Stallions before. And the Wall Street Journal then goes on to report that Stallions apparently was buying vacuum cleaners online storing them in this house and selling them himself. This is somebody that was making like, what, 50-some thousand dollars uh, just to be an analyst of some sort or a professional cheater, maybe, for Michigan. But this also, if Corum is telling the truth here, and and it seems that this is some fishy stuff that Stallings was involved in, if for some reason you got to throw the running back's name on there and another uh, assistant or another member of the staff on this LLC, maybe he was keeping some of this stuff from the Michigan head coach. You know, if you can keep it from the star running back and you put his name on, on this, on this um, LLC listing to create the business, maybe there is plausible deniability for Jim Harbaugh, which really that's, you know, I mean, you talk about the court of law, plausible deniability sometimes is a way to get out of charges. It might be a little bit different when it comes time for the Big Ten to make their decision in Tony Petiti because he is judge and jury all at the same time. And the NCAA hasn't even finished their investigation about this. And again, Mathis, I mean, it's just another, every single day, this scandal just gets a little bit weirder and a little bit weirder and grows even more. You know, there was another, another aspect of it yesterday. I think we brought it up. I didn't realize the teams that were involved in this, but Ohio State, Purdue, and Rutgers were sharing information. The coaches were sharing information about Michigan defensive signals that they had decoded during games that they'd played against the Wolverines. So there's the difference, though, in where the rules lie. It's not illegal to steal signs. I don't think it's even illegal to share that information with the opponents if you steal those signs within the game that you're playing or if you're paying somebody to be a professional sign decoder by rewatching television broadcasts in the All-22. Michigan, in this case, still broke a rule, but, I mean, look at this. Michigan apparently had their, def- their opponent's signs, Matt, and I think Michigan's opponents had their signs, too. So in this case, who really had the leg up? Anybody? 
Well, you can't make this stuff up. That, that that's for sure. You, every day there there's something new. Yeah, I mean the the rules are are clear. Uh, you you can't go to the to the game and film them and uh, and correlate it over. Now you can get the game tape and do that. You can't see the the TV tape and do that. So, you know he, he it 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 is a rule. And and I'm hearing that everybody you know in the power five so to speak that they're why aren't we using headsets yet why why do we have the technology in 2023 i think that's what this eventually leads to and 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 yeah yeah and and we we would do signs too but we would also have a wristband that you can sign in numbers you change the numbers if you want to from week to week so they can't you know you get that way but yeah you have signs in it but 2023 headsets shouldn't shouldn't there be shouldn't there be a way to communicate that yeah I, i do think that that's the direction that it's going Dan Wetzel from Yahoo posed, I think, a decent question about this. Which signs would you rather have? Would you rather have the signs that coaches have deciphered from actually being across the field from that opponent, from across the field from Michigan, 50 yards away? Or would you rather have a cell phone video from a few hundred yards away in which you got to zoom in and decode everything like that. I'm not sure if there's a difference between the two. I guess I'd like I guess I'd rather have the 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 professional coaches telling me, you know, what this means and what that means instead of having to, having to decipher it myself. You know, and the other aspect about this Matt is Michigan just continues to blow everybody out. Best defense in the country. Everybody that has their signals and apparently they've got that they've got them they've got their opponent signals too. I also liked another way that Wetzel put this. You know, there's the difference between what Michigan did and the other schools is the difference between a smash and grab, which is which is stallions, kind of like a maybe a single actor that devised this wild and huge scheme. Uh, and might have, maybe he was paying for it through sales of vacuum cleaners. Now that this other piece of information has come out, wouldn't that be a bizarre way to to finance this? Um because he is, a, he was a hanger on. He was just looking to impress. He was looking to impress Jim Harbaugh and that coaching staff, you know. And so maybe, maybe this was the kind of thing that he did on his own, and and then found a way to get the information to the people he needs to. You know, I'm, I I feel like when I when I when I put it in those terms, that I'm being a little bit naive, because I can't imagine, you know, you get video of Harbaugh slapping Stallion's hands after a win or after a big play a couple of times. You know, he knows who that guy is. Uh, but there's that that little little bit of plausible deniability that may change some people's approach to this. So yeah, there's stallions with a smash and grab, and then there's a conspiracy kind of with Ohio State, Rutgers, and me, Purdue collusion, white collar crime going on. You know, not where uh, it's right in everybody's face, and you get a person that's that's uh, in the stands and filming it and all of that and wearing sunglasses on Central Michigan sideline. And in this case, it's kind of like insider trading uh, with Ohio State Rutgers and Purdue. So you get the smash and grab and then the white-collar crime. And it turns out in this case, the white-collar crime is not against the law, I don't think, Matt. Well, it's, it's, if you're, what you're saying is true. If he's on the sideline and Harbaugh's and they're, they're, they're high-fiving, then I, I don't know of a head coach of a Power 5 school that wouldn't have a good idea who's on his sideline. I, I just don't know. They, like when they plead ignorance and say, oh, I didn't know who, who's on the side. I think they know. They know who's on the side. What's this guy doing here? You know, who's this? Why, why is he in the group? It's, it's such a us-against-the-world type deal. It's, you know, it's a locker room. It's, it's the, the team. It's the unit. If somebody, an outsider, is, is on there, you're gonna know, he's going to stick. You're going to know who it is, and you get him out of there. I really don't know how, how 
the Big Ten can just decide to suspend him uh, when the NCAA hasn't finished their investigation and you have a commissioner who is judge and jury and can just kind of convict. I guess Michigan later today is supposed to present some sort of rebuttal uh, to whatever information the Big Ten has given them. Just get ready for a series of lawsuits if there is a suspension of Jim Harbaugh. Um, it's not like that'll make people, you know, get on Michigan's side, but I, I do think there is the idea of due process, and it's different than for a suspension for, you know, an on-court fight or an on-field fight or uh, something that is that takes place within a game specifically, like contact with a referee, um, you know, spitting on on an opposing coach. Some of the things that we've seen go around where it's, well, you have the evidence right there, you get the tape, you can just go off of that and that's it. This this feels different than that. So I don't I don't know if you can be so quick with the suspensions, but I guess the Big Ten coaches, some of them want that quick uh, justice. You know, but then on the other hand, a lot of these coaches were at the same time sharing Michigan's information too. So it's just a whole sordid affair, Matt. Do you know the most points uh, on a game? They're they're nine and zero this year, right? And and let me just ask you, how many times do you think Michigan's given up double digits digit points this year? They're nine and zero. Well, didn't they give up? Was it like thirty five or thirty seven points uh, that they had allowed recently? Maybe once. Has anybody scored double digits against them yet? Minnesota fifty two to ten, and then last week Purdue forty one to thirteen. Those are their close. That's the that's as bad as it gets right there. I mean, that's just that's un, their their defensive scores. I mean, three, seven, six, seven, seven, ten, seven, zero. Get out of here, man. That's that's in the modern day uh, game. That's that's unbelievable defense. And a lot of that defense is going to end up in the NFL. They're going to be most a lot of those guys are getting drafted this year. You know, this this may be a year where Michigan breaks a record for number of players drafted. Um, judging from what you read before the season started. So they've got the talent. I guess they've got some of the pretty important information um, as well. What about the idea of Connor Stallions selling vacuum cleaners out of a house that he listed under an LLC that he headquartered in Wyoming? This, This dude, people are joking about, yeah, I can't wait to see the 30 for 30 on Connor Stallions. 30 for 30? I mean, we need a whole... I don't want Untold on Netflix to tell this story because they kind of gloss over some of the important details and some of the untolds that have come out recently, thinking of uh, Gators football and Johnny Manziel. No, no, this needs to be on Nightline or this needs to be on, uh, on, on Dateline, on NBC. Get Stone Phillips up there, man. I mean, this is the sort of thing that you could turn into a complete miniseries. Because this guy, this think of what he did. First of all, he's... He's out of the military. He was in the Marines. Uh, he was literally a hanger-on to the Michigan program, like virtually a nobody that found his way to ingratiate himself to this coaching staff to eventually become somebody that I think had to have been fairly important to them. And, and, and outside of that, he's selling vacuum cleaners on the side with, with, uh, with a business that he organized, quote-unquote organized, using the running back's, the star running back's name. And now that running back says, yeah, I never had any business dealings with him. This car here, this car that I'm leaning up against, that had nothing to do with this guy here. No, I'm not into vacuums. 
What? I've never hear, heard anything like this. It's craziness. Disassociate and get away. Yeah. It's like uh, watching Breaking Bad with uh, the vacuum cleaner. It's the front. You know, be, be wary of any man that sells vacuums. Uh, be wary when they come out of that van with those suits on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Connor Stallings may have a couple of those, too. Hi, everybody. This is Chris George from Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas gifts, weddings, heirloom family treasures. And at Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we only have one sale every year, and it's right now. Every single item in our store is value priced for Christmas. We do custom one-of-a-kind jewelry. If that's what you're looking for, come see us. You can get anything fixed for a Christmas gift. Selection, quality, service, and Christmas red tag prices now through Christmas at Joshua's Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. Are you in need of an attorney? Hickey and Hull Law Partners is your firm. Hickey and Hull understand the importance of client communication, meeting with you, responding to emails, and returning calls. Hickey and Hull are attorneys you can trust to guide you through a divorce or a custody case, criminal charges, or even civil lawsuit. Ready to put their seven decades of experience to work for you and get the best results. Every case is important. Hickey and Hull Law Partners strive to give each client the time and attention it deserves. Visit them at KevinHickeyLaw.com. Hickey and Hull Law Partners. Things are about to get better. And now, back to the podcast. And there goes the tornado sirens. That's how I know it's 12 o'clock on a Wednesday. In the Rock City, that's right. That's exactly right. It is like clockwork <clears throat> every, uh, every Wednesday at noon. When I first moved here and that happened, I was like, all right, who's attacking us? What's going on? That one, nobody told me to be ready for that either. That was, that was a brand new thing because <laughs> we didn't have a lot of, uh, we didn't have a, a need for a tornado siren in Pittsburgh, PA. I've only heard of one tornado ever going there. Y'all get any hurricanes? Does it get nope. that far inland? No. No, nah, I mean, you maybe get the remnants of it, if but it, it, uh, no if real it damage. comes into the coast, but no, not really. You just get, you just get snow. You get a real winter. Most uh, most tap rooms per capita there in Pittsburgh. They uh, really. That's what I heard. One of the one of the fun facts I think when uh, when we, we'd go play Pittsburgh and and you wouldn't uh, you know you don't get to see the town but you might read one of those books in the hotel room and stuff and and kind of get fun facts about the city. Uh, so they they get they go down in the steel town. Is it is it still the, called the steel town? What so called the steel city? Yeah, steel city. Yeah. Even though there's not a single uh, steel mill inside the city any longer, hadn't been for a long time. But yeah, it's the center of the steel industry, I guess. Most you said tap rooms, right? Corner pubs. Yeah, about the right idea. Just just there's there are more of them per capita in your little square mileage than there is anywhere in the world. You can find them anywhere there. That's what they, they do call it a shot and a beer kind of a town. A, a, a beer and a hook. Yeah. yeah, beer. That's right. They make a boiler maker there, not yeah. because they're Purdue fans. You ever have a boiler maker? Is that, shot of whiskey dropped inside your beer, just oh, like that. I, I've done the the like Guinness pure with, fire. The Guinness with the Bailey's. What's that? An, an Irish car bomb or something? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Do that's that right. One. Yeah, Little like sake the, bombs. Throw them in. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's good. Good stuff to bring up at twelve o'clock in the afternoon, right in the middle of our day. <laughs> but I didn't realize there are more tap rooms per capita in Pittsburgh. Maybe I shouldn't have left the city. Uh, no, I like where I live. Um, we had a text out of the four seven nine. We went into the break map because I think you can give me a you can give me a uniform number for any name possible. Well, I gave the last digits of our McClarty Daniel hotline. That's sixty three, and a four seven nine text says six point three would be Jonathan Luigs. Man, 63. He, he was a he was a great player. Up well there. done, yeah. Well, it was very well done. I'll 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 test this as we go through. I'm not very good at it. It's just I get lucky. No, you're better than I, me. I get lucky from time to time. Well, luck is the residue of good planning. So I don't I don't know if that works in this case, but maybe it does. 
Uh, Sam Pitt, yeah, I don't know, so Coach Pittman's talking in two hours, so that's when Ruskin and Zach get things going here. I wondered, I'd asked this earlier, Matt, are you allowing yourself to start thinking about a possible bowl game? It's not like it's the end-all, be-all, because whatever bowl game you make it to is a 6-6 six and six bowl game. So, I mean, you're pretty much looking at maybe the same bowl as last year, Liberty Bowl, maybe the Texas Bowl. Uh, outside of that, I'm not sure of any of the other SEC-affiliated bowl games that Arkansas could get invited to. I know that the, the Vegas Bowl... Uh, might have been a possibility last year, but I don't think the SEC is part of the Vegas Bowl this year. It's on an every-other-year basis, um, and last year was the year, so I don't think this year would be the year. May end up playing in the Birmingham Bowl or the Gasparilla Bowl. I mean, it's not going to be one of those... It's, it's, it's going to be a, a mid-to-lower-tier bowl game, but six wins will get you there. Are you letting yourself think about this? Now, you, Matt, are still... You're like, you're like an athlete, so you're, you're just kind of keyed into Saturday. Fans will tell you the same thing. You're like, hey, we got to win first on Saturday. But I'm like, yeah, but radio shows are a little bit different, and we can ask this question. I, I think if you win Saturday and you get to 5-7, and seven, uh, I think Florida's going to finish 5-7. and seven. Uh, if, if you win Saturday, uh, that could get – well, Auburn has a, a cupcake next week before they play Alabama, so they're going to get to six. But I, I was seeing uh, something, Phil, that came out that – you know they got so many allotted bowls. If they, they'll take a five and seven team, some sometimes you never you never know. And, and Arkansas uh, would surely be worthy of a five and seven team to go to a bowl. I mean they got some talent there. I think this is a big game. Big and it's it's not cliche or whatever. It's this is the biggest game of the year. If if we want to go to a bowl game, this is it. Because if if, if you after you if you lose this game. Then you don't. You're just kind of evaluating talent the next two games. Every game left out. is the biggest game Th- of the year. That's right. And it started with Florida, didn't it? And they and they were able to make some plays. I mean, the feel those four explosive plays were so big time. Uh, hopefully Armstrong's uh, healthy, but KJ using his legs when he had to. Uh, defense getting. I mean, how about giving us a 14-0 lead down there early in the swamp? You know, defense getting a turnover on the first play. You got. You're going to have to get that type of play. You're going to have to get the ball to bounce your way. Uh, and, and both those Armstrong explosive plays were Cam Little field goals. You know, that's six points. You weren't getting that in the Dan Enos offense. That would have been a stalled out drive. You would have punted. We wouldn't have had a chance to win that game. But you're still getting your explosive defensive plays, which is what Braxton strip and, and defense turn was. I mean, the defense, what a attaboy. I mean, you got to tip too. your I hat. Think, I think Pearsall was in his fourth or fifth year. And Braxton's a true freshman. So, I mean, he ripped the ball out of the hands of, you know, kind of like a grown man in college. Mm-hmm. That's really impressive. And that's, that's, just as, that's just as explosive as a 60-yard bomb. What was that, a 44-yard 40, return or something? 33-yard return? That's explosive. I, I thought they had another one. Uh, you, you were there, Phil. Did it seem like the play had stopped? Did, did, the, did the whistle blow? Because I thought they had turned him over. I thought his momentum was going forward. I thought it was a quick whistle. I uh, thought it was an amazingly quick whistle. Yeah. Yeah, I legs are still one. moving. Right, legs are still moving, and I don't. I don't think his forward progress was totally was, was had been completely stopped. Then all of a sudden, and I, I remember where I heard this the other day. There were two ways to look at this. I think Sam Pittman brought it up. Um, either either it's a fumble because the whistle shouldn't have been blown, or the whistle blew, and then that that Florida lineman just sort of ran into the pile to try to keep it moving forward. But he would have done that after the whistle blew. Because if, if he runs into the pile and the whistle hadn't blown, well, that's still forward progress of some sort. So there should be either Arkansas gets the ball on a fumble or a 15-yard penalty for a late hit. 
the officials did not have their best game. They uh, did not. At least they didn't. At least at least it, I think the game went the way it should have went. But that that whole fiasco at the end of the game when when Florida was trying to kick their their extra, their field goal and and all that they they messed that up too. Justice did get served, thankfully. And speaking of Andrew Armstrong, um, earlier today in the coach's teleconference, Sam Pittman says he feels good about Andrew Armstrong and Tank Booker playing this week, but Patrick Kudis is still a major question mark. Charlie's also a question mark. Nah, he's not. He's a good old-fashioned uh, end-of-the-sentence period. You know, Eddie would be, the, uh, would be the exclamation point. Brian and Ozark would be the question mark, and that makes you... Just the uh, the most used piece of punctuation of all of them, Charlie. Or would you rather be a colon? I'll just I'll I'll, t- I'll take either or. I, it, you know we can mix in a few exclamation points in there, but I think Eddie's entire sentence after every word should be exclamation after every word. Well, I mean, I, it, and I heard somebody say this the other day, and they're right about this. The exclamation point has become the period in today's text. Uh, in today's text conversation. So if you really want to make it seem like you're really excited about something or like, wow, how did that happen? you got to put a series of exclamations on it. That's Eduardo the Sherpa. He's five exclamations. Why don't you points. get yeah, yeah, why don't you get in a texting war with him, Phil, and see how that goes? Well, I'm already there. <laughs> he doesn't use punctuation in texts. Just the same as his phone calls. It's funny how that works. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. But uh Matt, did you say you were scared to move to California or live in California? Did I hear that right? I asked Phil if uh, if you were to have what, the the wildfires, the landslides, the earthquakes, which one would you want if you lived in California? I couldn't afford to live in California, Charlie. I mean, I, there's there's no way I could afford to live out there. Well, Matt, you're one you're one of those guys that I say that just kind of I don't think you're really scared of much of anything. As I've said, you know, you did kind of. The and say, and I think, he, uh, I think he's scared of a high income tax rate. That's what he's pointing at about <laughs> <That's> California. <it. laughs> yeah, the earthquake thing, I don't know. Matt, Matt probably just sleep through it. I mean, as long as he doesn't fall through the, you know, if, if nothing collapses, he's good. I mean, yeah, hopefully he would. Matt, I hope you would get up after the wildfire and uh, I hope you would evacuate. Uh, I, I don't I, I hope you wouldn't sleep through that one. I mean, I'll, I'll say that, Phil, and you know, on the East Coast, you know, really, did did the the snow and ice? Did that even scare you? Because that's pretty much all you guys got, right? No, it frightened I mean, me when we didn't have snow and ice in the summertime. It's like, what's going on here? Are we are we farther away from the sun than we're supposed to be? <laughs> no, that was that was that was a way of life. I kind of miss it sometimes. Yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> Come live down here for a little bit. Our tornado sirens don't even go off at twelve o'clock. I'm not sure if they even work. Uh, anyway. Uh, I just wanted to say, you know, um, you guys are talking about it. Um, you know, it looked like to me, Phil, when, when Crawford got in there, and I'm not, I don't, it looked like to me they played better. And I, maybe Crawford just needed to get out there. Um, you know, Sam mentioned about practice, some of the guys, McLaughlin, and some others that aren't, you know, don't have the greatest practice habits sometimes. And, you know, maybe that's why they were moved down to the second unit, but, yeah, that's I like what, I, that's what I gathered. What he said about McLaughlin, I think that there might have been yeah. some practice habits with him. Yeah. Anyways, uh, also y'all have a good one. Before I go, Phil, how was the game last night? And if you had to, could you sit there with Zim and uh, call a game with him as well? I would love to hear that one. If I love calling the games with Zim. I, I don't. I don't do no, many. Good. good to hear from you, Charlie. I don't do many men's games anymore. Um, you know, I filled in for Chuck, maybe, I don't know, like six, seven, maybe eight games. So I've worked with him before. I love doing basketball games with him. He's fun. A lot of fun. Crawford's your right tackle right now. I don't think there's any doubt about it. 
seems like Patrick Kudis may not be available on on Saturday, but I think if he was, I think I think Crawford's your right tackle, Manuel's your left tackle, and Andrew Chambly is is kind of the backup at both positions. And I think that's a strong look because Crawford was terrific against Florida. This is his last shot to actually fulfill some of the talent that is there. And it comes at the right time. Thanksgiving dinner will be memorable this year at the historic Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa in Hot Springs. Thursday, November 23rd from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. in the Venetian Dining Room, you'll have a salad bar, carving station, hot buffet items, and desserts featuring traditional and unique items. Over 12 dine for $58 per person, under 12 for $29, and under 6 eat free. Reservations required. Must have credit card to hold reservations. Call 501-623-7771 or log on at arlingtonhotel.com slash dining for reservations and complete menu items. Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Time to talk with Grant Hall here on Halftime. Appreciate you joining us as always, Grant. How are you today? Uh, well, I'm fine. And in this uh, what's going to be 80-degree weather for the second day in a row in November, I can remember it snowing on this date in November probably. So, you know, you never know in Fayetteville. Shorts and flip-flops today then, right, Grant? That's what you're probably wearing. Well, you know, Eric Musman got on Bob Holt for wearing shorts to the press conference Monday night. In November, so yeah. OG Bob, Bob does what he wants. You know, he's looking out for everybody. Yeah, I love it when 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 folks give Bob the stuff because he's going to give the stuff right back at him. That's good. <laughs> right. That's great. Basketball yeah, was fun to watch the last couple of days, Grant. Um, things uh, things that stand out to you from uh, your first uh, chance to watch the men in a regular season game and last night's women's win. Well, let's go backwards since last night's more fresh in my mind. I went to the second half after going to Eric's uh, radio show, and I saw Poffenbarger get, get a lot of her 21 rebounds. You know, what's interesting about her, Phil, is the night before, after the men's game, she was out there shooting uh, on that court, and she made nine out of ten threes just like they were nothing. And then last night, she couldn't hit anything. She was three for 12, so she just stopped shooting and rebounded. You know, and came within one, I guess, of the school record. And then the other highlight to me, and I, I was kind of hoping maybe they could keep this uh, player a secret for a little bit longer, but Talia Scott uh, scored 29, and, and she is going to go down as, you know, if she stays healthy, one of the all-time greats at this school, I think, uh, at least offensively. And uh, she's um, saying all the right things about her teammates helping her, but uh, that kid is a scoring machine. In oh, fact, yeah. uh you know, Mike said, I, what was it? I think she scored 38 and a half against the men's practice team or something like that. So uh, she gives him a chance, too. Grant, you know what stands out about her, Matt? you gotta, you got to watch Talia. I've only watched her in the one game. She's incredibly patient with the ball, has a good handle. When she sees an opening to get to the rim, she, ta- she cuts through that hole like a running back. Um, as a freshman, as a true freshman in her very first game, and you know that team they played against yesterday, Grant. Those are veterans. They didn't have a single freshman on that team. 
No sophomores got any playing time. It was just basically players that had transferred away from the SEC and the ACC. I mean, ULM, I think, is a good team. I wouldn't be surprised if they go and, and win the regular season in the Sun Belt. But Talia just kind of toyed with them at times. Yeah, this Johnson, uh, who played, I think, at Auburn, scored 34 last night. They had a kid from, I think, South Carolina, another one from the ACC. And he tried to warn about this, this team. But, yeah, I mean, the thing about Scott is she – can hit the outside shot, but she has these really artful drives. And some of those uh, shots that she made look easy, the bank shots, she just seems she's really at home with those. So uh, I think the fans are really going to enjoy watching her, including Friday when they're going to have this elementary day at 1030 against a Murray State team that won 20-plus last year. Uh, and he's expecting that they, they've done such a good job organizing, they're going to have 7,000. Uh, elementary kids to go with whatever you know. Last last, last night was twenty six hundred, so he's looking for a crowd maybe of ten thousand on Friday, which would be a lot of fun. And then of course you got the men uh, playing that night. We got to have a little truth in advertising here, and I, I kind of coined this phrase when the Travelers were doing it twenty three years ago, and it was first it was Sonic School Days, and then it was Anti Tobacco School Kids Day, and everything. But let's call this what it is, and it's the same for this game on Friday morning, Grant. It's screaming kids' day, all right? Because that's what it's going to be like inside there. You know that. Well, he's got the, the assistant athletic directors. He, he really credited the school with that. I mean, all hands on deck for helping uh, just the logistics of getting all those buses positioned and, and getting those kids safely there and back. Uh, but it's, yeah, bring your earplugs if you're going to that. Grant, uh, the, the the men's team, there's a couple teaching moments out there. 50 fouls was too many. Uh, you know, with Brazil stepping on the floor, I think this was the perfect time for that to happen. Hopefully they can teach that and, and don't let that be an issue late, later in the year. Uh, what what what'd you gather from uh, how this men's team looked? Well, Matt, you know, last night Eric said that I think they threw 236 passes in the game, which meets his goal of 200 a long time ago. Uh, he heard Steve Kerr. Uh, talk about that. Of course, it's different in the NBA with 48 minutes. Their goal was higher, but uh, he thought that was maybe as many passes as his team had ever done. And he also said something to us after the game about that on game day, eight players lifted on their own, lifted weights on their own. And that, that was a high for any of his teams since the NBA. So uh, he's got, you know, I mean, I, I think both of these, of course, you know, every, attitudes are good early in the season. You haven't lost them, uh, but they they seem unified, both of them. You know, the, the women in all those interviews we did with them talked about that, how the team was unified. And I know Wolfenbarger left, but uh, it's it's an older team, Matt and Phil. Uh, you know, last year's team were, were babies, figuratively speaking. I mean, and now you've got all these guys that have been, three and four years at other places. and uh, it, It's a veteran team, really. And that's why you have them lifting. You know, as a freshman, and, and, and you say this in the SEC, it's, it's hard to come in because you're adjusting, you're learning. When you're in high school, you're not really lifting on game day. But the, but to your point, Grant, the, these older veteran guards that have been through college offseason, they know the importance uh, of lifting weights. That's, that's good to hear. You know, Corliss used to do it just to intimidate the other team. He, he would make a point to lift right before the game. <laughs> and then go out there, just his physical appearance is probably worth 15, 20 points, you know. I mean, with the with the nickname Big Nasty, what are you going to do, you know? Yeah, that's it. You allowing yourself to think bowl game at all for football? <clears throat> Players can't think of it that way because every game is like the postseason hinges on this. But looking ahead, it's like, I think they can take care of Auburn. 
I know they can beat FIU. <clears throat> and given the right situation, they play well, play the way that they've done um, against Florida. I think they can beat Missouri um, and, and maybe go to a bowl game. Are you allowing yourself to not, – it's not a dream because it'd be a low-level bowl game. But all we're trying to do here is, is do what Frank talked about, is have a, rem, a November to remember and, yeah. and go into the offseason with extra practices, a bowl game, maybe a win. They seem to be so good at, at, at when they get an extra week or a few weeks to plan. And, uh, and then, man, it's like it's not like, uh, like September and October are just completely forgotten about, but it does feel like a long way off if you keep winning and get to a bowl game. Well, you guys made a good point about the five and seven teams, and uh, Andrew Hutchinson, who's kind of a figure filter, you know, he, he's already looked into how many teams, twenty-two or something, could end up either just below six, and you know, who, like I know uh, James Madison uh, is going to get one of those bowl games because they're not eligible otherwise. And I guess they're still trying, but that's the uh, thing. That's such that, a weird aspect of that, Grant. Like, so that you're ineligible for a bowl game. Be, because you're not a full-fledged member of Division One FBS football yet. But if we don't get enough six-win yeah. teams, yeah, you can play. <laughs> yeah, and it's the second year that, that I guess they've been in this. By the way, they, they beat Michigan uh, State in basketball, too. And, and I think their soccer team is number one or something. Uh, I know Alyssa was talking about her family connection there. My, my son-in-law played football for James Madison, so I, I know a little bit about them. But as far as these other teams, you know, um yeah that's that's a possibility uh in fact the reliant i think it's the reliant bowl is that the one that replaced the outback or succeeded the outback in tampa those people were on the elevator the other night because bob holt got uh trapped and they wouldn't let him <laughs> they wouldn't let him out on the field till the ball game was over instead and he was with these bowl scouts who weren't too happy about it either but they were there to see florida and florida may not get to you know six wins so i mean there i mean i suppose that probably would go to a higher positioned sec team but you know the the dominoes go down but this this auburn game i think is going to be a lot tougher than than arkansas is favored to win and hugh freeze is one of those guys that can take yours and beat his or take his and beat yours you know he he beat alabama twice from Ole miss and try that sometime so i think it's going to be a lot tougher game uh, maybe than some Arkansas fans think. You had the, you know, you had the change and the OC and everything went great the first game. And uh, it's kind of like when Arkansas, when Joe Kynes was the uh, interim coach, and they went and beat South Carolina forty-five to seven or something. Then, then reality came back. So I think it's going to be a really good ball game, probably closely competitive, and uh, and should be good. Good, good for the fans anyway. What about what's the biggest difference for for uh, for them on offense? Is it the scheme? Is it having Rocket healthy? Is it a matter of they believe in what they're doing now? Is it you know the change at right tackle because of injury? Uh, what what do you think made the biggest difference? All of that, and I just think uh, KJ's running. I mean, Sam said last night I, I found his TV show for the first time all year, and I heard him say uh, that this is the team that should have been all year. You know, the way they did it, 400-and-something yards and, and running the ball for, was it 200-plus, I think, uh, and mixing in the plays. Now, you know, the staff scripted the first 10 plays, and they all had an impact on that. And Sam uh, told us the other day he called five of those plays himself. 
So uh, it's not all Kenny Guyton, but so far so good with Guyton. And then now then we're going to see, you know, what it looks like this week. Yeah, there'll be tape out there on them. The the thing I liked, Grant, was, well, I mean, I didn't like that they started one for six, uh, but but they finished seven to 12, you know, uh, on, right. on the third down. And that's uh, that's big time. Yeah, it, it, and, you know, Sanders, I don't think is still, what would you say, Matt, 85% or something. He, he still has trouble running side to side. He's better north and south. Uh, but, for you know, now you've got a 100-yard rusher back in there that you didn't have. And I guess we probably kind of wondered, would you have him at all this year? So it's good that he's back. Need Rocket, need Rocket doing Rocket things. Twenty touches. I, I, I'm with you, Grant. If he, you got to try to get him twenty touches against Auburn somehow. Uh, I love the fact that they got Armstrong manned up and they threw him a deep ball, uh, and then then they threw him a slant. And and both those both those explosive plays. We had some explosive plays, and both those re- resulted in points. Man, what do you and Phil? What do you think of the of closing practice again this week? I could understand it last week. All those first few plays were new, you know, and they wanted to. But now then, this week, what would you think would be the uh, rationale for shutting the media out completely? Just repeating what they did last week and no other reason, you know. Superstition. They're probably, all, they're probably they're, Grant. They're probably all wearing the same underwear and same socks too. They were last week. Maybe I don't think that Michigan guy showed up around here, has he? You know that you were talking about Connor Stallions. <laughs> yeah, right. No, you've yeah, got a man. vacuum cleaner business to attend to. Yeah, I tell you, the skullduggery was always so much fun. Back when practices were completely open, the coaches would look up there in the stadium and they'd see some guy that didn't look right and they'd come up there and challenge, who are you? And there'd be some kid that had a football coaching class in school or something. And uh, uh, <laughs> we, 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 nobody does that anymore. It's pretty much closed except for you know the few minutes that you get to see. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. It's football season at your neighborhood Buffalo Wild Wings. And with 64-inch TVs, beer, burgers, and, you know, wings, Buffalo Wild Wings is the best choice to watch the big game. So bring the gang and join us this football season at your local Buffalo Wild Wings in Bryant, Little Rock, Sherwood, Conway, Jonesboro, and Fort Smith. Buffalo Wild Wings, beer, wings, sports, and your home for any game. Roar! You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Right now, Eastside Liquor has a truckload of eggnog, winter seasonal beers, stouts and liquors, rum chata, moonshake creams, and more. Don't forget about the hog bourbon decanters. Come by the drive-thru or walk inside to see Dave and his team at Eastside Liquor, 9390 in Fort Smith. Now, back to the podcast. Recruiting expert extraordinaire from hogsports.com on the 24-7 Sports Network. And we always enjoy talking with Danny. How you doing, Danny? Great to have you here today. Doing great, Phil. I appreciate the invite back on. I've uh, been a long time, but looking forward to it. What you got today? Well, we've got uh, we've got some recruits to talk about here, and I guess the first thing would would just to be hitting on the the, the, the decommitment from this last Saturday from Courtney Crutchfield. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean, it was an odd time to do it, I guess, but uh, maybe any time is an odd time to do it right at kickoff of, of the game on Saturday. I mean, you can't, it feels like that's a planned thing, but did this come out as a surprise? Uh, what did you make of this? Yeah, I was surprised by the timing of it. Not so much that, that Courtney decommitted. I mean, obviously there was a, a change in the coordinator position. You see that a lot, especially with big-time kids. Look, man, you get to the final stretch, and we're, what, six weeks away? I want to say today is the six-week mark uh, from the early signing period. So you get this close to it, I mean, you're going to have a lot of schools coming at these guys, making a lot of uh, offers, so to speak. So that part of it doesn't surprise me. The, the timing most definitely surprised me. Um, I, I kind of liken it to Josh Frazier back in the day. For those who remember that, about a decade ago, Josh Frazier was a big-time defensive tackle at Springdale Harbor. And uh, I think everybody knew at the time he's probably going to end up at Alabama. And sure enough, he did, but he waited until just a little bit after Arkansas lost an overtime game to uh, Mississippi State in Little Rock. So the timing of that one, I was like, oh, that's got to be pretty calculated, you know, and I kind of felt the same way on this one. You know, coming out of a bye week, Courtney had two weeks to uh, to kind of think about what he wanted to do. So definitely three minutes before kickoff of a of a game. Yeah, I think that, that probably uh, – that was probably something he thought about. And for whatever reason, uh, that's his right to do. But, man, uh, a few hours later, you look up and Arkansas has got 39 points and you go, man – Maybe he should have thought about it for a few more hours, right. you know. So we'll see where it goes, Phil. But as of today, buddy, I'm uh, I don't have super high expectations of Arkansas's chances of getting this one back on board. Uh, I just think Missouri is is making a really really strong case for it, and and um, and Arkansas may be up against it on this one. The good news is you don't lose very many of the. Uh, you know, I was doing a story about it this morning. Matter of fact, on Hog Sports and. Did a study last night, and I found that Arkansas really doesn't miss on very many number one players in the state. It might feel like it because, you know, when it does happen, it stings Arkansas a lot more than it does, say, Alabama, Mississippi, uh, either of the Mississippi schools, either of the Oklahoma schools. Uh, Texas, of course, Georgia, states like that are much different, much deeper, and there's there's not near the drop-off from one to two that you see in our state, so... It does hurt from a uh, all aspects, but more than anything, I think it hurts your perception, which we know is can be a real deal. You know, in recruiting, perception goes a long way with a lot of kids. So when you see the number one kid in the state going somewhere else, you know it makes it more difficult in a lot of ways to to go out and get the next one coming up. If that makes sense. Yeah, Danny, I, I got a quarterback question for you, but first I want to ask you, uh, you, you talk about losing the, the, the number one uh, recruit, and it doesn't happen a lot. Do, do, do we still prioritize the three-star Arkansas kid, or do we, are we trying to get the, the three-star Texas kid, the three-star Florida kid? How does that go getting some of those, those other players here? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I think it's a timely question uh, for this reason. This year, Matt, I've seen Arkansas reach, if you want to use that term, mm-hmm. they've reached on fewer in-state guys. There are some guys in the state that they probably you know could have offered and went out and got, and uh, no problem. And with that, that probably helps your ranking a little bit. You know, Now they've only got 18 commitments, and they've slid back down to 23rd in the country, right? So if they'd have taken an extra two or three, Obviously, it helps your total points, but is it really helping your class? 
you know, when once they get on campus. We've seen Arkansas do that in previous years where they make, you know, uh, roll the dice and take a flyer on an in-state kid, and lo and behold, he gets up there, and he might be there for six, nine, 12 months, and that's it. And uh, I, I haven't seen them do that a whole lot in this year's uh, in-state class, and I think that's a good thing. They are um, being a, a lot more selective, a lot more picky with the in-state uh, crop this year, and I like that for them. The way I see it, fellas, if you can save a spot and and not take a flyer on that guy that you may or may not get anything out of, and save that spot for somebody in the transfer portal that you have a whole lot more data points on and a lot more information built on, that's the route I would tend to take, and I think that's uh, that's that's come into play a little bit for this year's class. I've seen that quite a bit. Well, speaking of in-state players, a lot of folks wondered, with Dan Eno's gone, are you going <clears> to <throat> maybe try to go after the quarterbacks that are in the state, Walker White, Drake Lindsey? I think the better way to ask this question is, what is it about K.J. Jackson, the quarterback that they've had a commitment for uh, from Montgomery, Alabama, um, that makes him stand out from the in-state kids because obviously that's the direction they went. Yeah, and, and you know I think it's fair to say too that KJ's a, a guy that they felt strong about for the longest too. You know they had him in camp. Obviously Walker was a different deal. Coach Eno showed up and had very little time uh, between the the time he started recruiting Walker and the time that Walker had already made up his mind. I want to get my decision out of the way. That was a really short window there. Marinos to work with and uh, you know the timing of it all just didn't work out so what do they do they go after KJ Jackson a kid they've seen in camp uh, uh, dating back to last June of 2022 they've had plenty of intel on this one and you know just from a, a football standpoint 6'3 about 225 right now can swing it you know he's not a, a Jefferson KJ Jefferson type where he's just going to bowl over people but he can move around he can throw on the run and, and make things happen in the pocket but uh, you know he's got a big arm he's I think he's thrown for 27 touchdowns this year to only two interceptions he's got a few hundred rushing yards he's got seven or eight rushing touchdowns you know down in the red zone so athletic kid super smart kid I think this is one that you're probably going to want to bring on halftime at some point because I think you'll enjoy talking to him but there's a lot to like there and you know uh, the same could be said for Drake Lindsay and Walker White too let's not let's not get it twisted here both of those guys are really really good and I totally understand people going especially with Drake uh, the way he's come on this year I, I can totally understand people going hey this is a, a kid named Lindsay you know and he's at Fayetteville High breaking records and all this I get it uh, but, you know, I can only answer for K.J., and, and I like what I see there. So I can't can't say I blame him for sticking with K.J. Jackson on this one. He's, he's really good himself. Danny, uh, tell me we got some speed coming in at some skill positions. Do we have any 4-4 guys coming in? Are there any 4-4 guys that are still out there? Yeah, you know, I think uh, Ashton Bethel Roman, wide receiver out of Missouri City, Texas, Ridgepoint. You know, uh, we could sit here and talk about the loss of Courtney Crutchfield all day, and, and make no mistake, it was a really big loss in a lot of ways. But, you know, you've still, that's the kind of the saving grace with this year's receivers class. You still have Ashton. He's almost a top 100. I think he's 112 in the country overall ranking, so a stud in his own right. Then, of course, C.J. Brown, for those of you in northwest Arkansas who have seen C.J. play at Bentonville, you already know this is a, a borderline four-star himself, really dynamic 
speed type guy to answer your question there, Matt. And then on the, the defensive side, man, they've got a kid named Akari Johnson, who's, I want to say, the second lowest commitment they have on board right now. But kid out of Texarkana, Pleasant Grove, we're calling him a cornerback. But, Matt, he's played uh, quarterback on offense. He can do it all. And they ask him to do it all. And, yeah, and I think you're going to like that one especially. Uh, Akari Johnson, that's A-H. K-H-A-R-I Johnson. So keep an eye on him. They've got some other DBs in this class that I'm really high on. Jaden Allen, um, borderline four-star out of Aledo, Texas. He's going to be back on campus again this weekend as his team has a bye week. Um, I'm trying to think who else might fit the fit the mold there. Selman Bridges, obviously a 6'3", 175 corner, uh, top 100 player himself, four-star out of Temple, Texas. Uh, you know, he was a big time get. He can run too. So there is some speed. I would, you know, if I had my druthers, if I was in charge, I'd, I'd probably like another offensive tackle, you know, one that you feel really good about, at least one. And then on the defensive side, I, I think you'll probably see them go the JUCO route or the transfer portal route again. And that's something we've seen, um, you know, for three or four years now at Arkansas. They're going to go out and get the guys on the defensive line that they feel really good about. And that's because uh, they're not getting them from the high school ranks, right? It's really tough to go against LSU and A&M. And even Ole Miss right now is getting these four-star types, uh, defensive linemen out of the high school ranks in Arkansas for whatever reason. They do have two four-stars on board. But, you know, when it comes to that interior defensive tackle, the 6'3", 315 guy who's ready to go, four-star, it's been really tough for them to go out and get those, so they're trying to make up for it this year, especially with JUCO targets and, of course, the transfer portal where they've had quite a bit of uh, success lately. Danny, I, I want you, you hit on something that I that I'd noticed too, and the, the, there's three offensive linemen that are in this class: uh, Greer from North Carolina, Madison from Lexington, Kentucky, <clears throat> and then there's Branham uh, from Fort Smith. They're all interior linemen, center yeah. guards. And and I guess I'm surprised too that there aren't any tackles in the incoming class. Um, where how do you feel where Arkansas is at tackle right now, and and why do you think there isn't a tackle on that class? Well, I, I think the simple answer is they went after two really good ones and didn't get either one of them. Yeah. Uh, honestly, it's as simple as that. Jaquan McCroy was a four star. He's a top 100 kid, six eight, three sixty five, out of Pinson, Alabama. Uh, Clay Chalkville High School. They've been on this one for well over two years, probably had him on campus a million times and, and uh, got him back for an official in the spring. Lo and behold, a couple of weeks later, he commits to Oregon. So I think Oregon came through with some really strong offers, if you know what I mean, and yeah. and they're going to be really tough to uh, to beat to try to flip him. Having said that, Oregon is also a program that loses quite a few of these guys from faraway places because let's you know if you look at a map most of the country is from faraway places as it relates to the Oregon Ducks right so I would say they're still holding out a little bit of hope there uh, still making a strong run and I think McCroy the top uh, 78 player in the country has still been receptive to Arkansas still been in talks with them down the final stretch here so I think the door is at least cracked, but I can't sit here and tell you they're going to definitely flip him. And then, of course, Fletcher Westfall uh, from the East Coast out in North Carolina. I'm sorry, Virginia. Um, they missed on him as well. He actually committed to Florida. 
I want to say he was on, on campus in Gainesville last week for Arkansas's game. I can't confirm that, but I guess that would be pretty sweet. A little feather in the cap on that one to go down and, and beat the Gators in the swamp in front of a guy that, that uh, they were really counting on, you know, to be honest. So I don't know where they go from here, Phil. They did miss on two really good ones there and, and probably a couple others I could talk about, but I think you got to make up for it at some point. Why it's gotten to the point that it has, I don't know. I think it's just plain as day to me that the guys that they have right now probably have some talent. Now, I think at some point we may all look back and say, man, I'm glad they went through that 23 season because now they've turned out to be really good players because they were thrown in the fire. But they're not ready yet, and we've seen that time and time again throughout the season. I think the transfer portal is probably your best route at this point to try to fix it and, and to get out of it. But um, so I would expect that. I would expect them, you know, if they can't flip McCroy and can't flip Westfall down the stretch, of course, I think you've got to go the transfer route. Yeah, and I, th- I think they'll be, they, they will be better next year. They'll benefit from a college offseason. Danny, I got to ask you, you been in the Deerwoods? Oh, man, yeah. I'm sitting here uh, biting my nails, pacing, trying to get back out there towards the end of the week. We've, we got a couple running around, Matt, that, uh, you know, I'm going to try to, I've had my eye on, so to speak. I got a couple cameras out there, and uh, it's the type that sends it straight to your phone. So if they walk in front of the camera, man, I'm just sitting here going, "How do I get out of this? How can I get out of the house and get out there?" You know. But uh, yeah, I've been going quite a bit and looking forward to going. Hopefully again this weekend. Okay, so then if you get two notifications on your phone, one of them from this app that's going to tell you that that, that, that that your camera's got a deer in sight, <laughs> and you got another notification from a five-star recruit who wants to talk to you, what are you taking first, Danny? Oh, boy. Just in case Trey Biddy's listening, I'm jumping on that five-star. No, we want truth. We want truth. <laughs> Come on, I know the hey, answer is deer. The truth. You want the truth, here's the truth. You wouldn't believe how many stories I've written from a deer stand. <laughs> so that's the truth. I will sit in there, and, I, and because, you know, I sit in these blinds that deer can't see in, so why not? I take my computer, got a little hot spot. I've watched many a games and written many a story from a deer stand. I love it. Technology. Yeah. yeah. You, the they they got to start putting this in the headset so we don't have to worry about this sign seal and stuff. <laughs> that's right. Good call. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitthatline.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.